Welcome to The Intersection, a podcast on spirituality and social justice with three women of different ages who live in three different states with three different skin colors. Grounded in spirituality and love, we strive to think, speak, and behave in ways that will bring about a better world for all people. We are committed to admitting mistakes and missteps, excited to grow, and willing to make that growth public. We are so grateful that you've clicked play. Thank Thank you for your willingness to grow with us. Hello, everybody. We are going to talk about relationships, like healthy relationships, what it means to be in right relationships. And we've had a conversation before hitting record right now, but I guess I'll frame this a little bit by... I got to listen to an episode from last November that Jamila and Amanda recorded with some guests unpacking Thanksgiving. And one of the guests really talked about being in right relationship. And I've been thinking about that a lot as I move through some of the conflicts in my life, like try to figure out what it means to be in right relationship with the people who are closest to me, to my colleagues, to, as Amanda kind of talked a little bit about right now, to strangers. What does that mean? What do healthy relationships look like? What does right relationship look like, sound like, feel like? And I don't know all the answers to this. I have some ideas, but I'm really excited to kind of unpack this together. What does it mean to be in right relationship? I would like to chime in right away and just let it be known that I have no idea what a healthy relationship looks like. Okay, how about this? I have an idea, but I don't know if I've experienced a whole lot of healthy relationships. So I'm finding this conversation is going to be very interesting and kind of a go-to unpacking for me to figure out what I want my healthy relationships to look like. So I've feel like throughout my life, it's kind of been survival of the fittest, (laughs) for lack of a better terminology of just kind of getting through. But to actually consciously think about, is this a healthy relationship? How can I make it more healthy? Is it good for me? Type of thing. I don't think I've spent a lot of time in my life doing that. I want to start off by saying that the term right relationship is not one that I'm familiar with and certainly not one that I use because I'm not familiar with it really. And so I kind of like Googled it when we were starting and a lot of things that pop up are specific to indigenous cultures. So acknowledging the irreducible and ongoing relationship that indigenous people have with their land and territory. And then there are also, there's a lot that phrase is used for. So something right relationship, less conflict between individuals and community because we're more aware of our common values. Understand justice is rightly relationship with God, with others, with the earth. So I, again, without knowing like the intent behind that specific phrase, for me, I'm interested in also just exploring like, what do healthy relationships look like? And I do acknowledge like that's really different when we're talking about what kind of relationship it is, because a healthy relationship with a family member or romantic partner is probably different than a healthy relationship with a coworker, although there are common themes and common threads. I'm interested in those common threads, like, and what is in common between having a healthy relationship with a stranger and a coworker and a family member. And I think one thing that feels healthy in all of those dynamics is acknowledging that people are people. Like, this mailman who's coming to my door is a person with hopes and dreams and struggles and all of the things the same way my partner is, the same way I am, the same way my my coworker or my boss is. Like, that feels like an element of 
healthy relationships is like an acknowledgement of the humanity and in the other person and in the self. That feels like something in common. What about the aspect also of that? Okay, so I could say communication is a very important thing, I believe, in relationships, no matter what your relationship is. That being said, although we're all speaking English on this podcast, we can have be having totally different conversations using the same words. So knowing, figuring out how to communicate with one another, it's like a huge thing. Yeah. To piggyback on what Carol was saying, as far as like recognizing the humanity in someone, I also work very hard to recognize the value in someone. Like I choose to believe that everyone that is alive in this moment is meant to be here at this moment in space and time, which can be really hard when I'm looking at some people that I believe are really like committing some injustices in the world, right? I'm actually not in relationship with them personally at all. Like when I'm thinking about like some political leaders we've had over the past handful of years and current people in politics and CEOs and like, right, of these businesses and corporations that are doing a lot of harm to their employees and to our beautiful earth. And I'm not in direct relationship with any of them. And I still feel like it's important for me to acknowledge that they are human and that we have different values and they're also supposed to be here at this moment in time. Ooh, that's juicy. And I think like hard, I think hard. Like I was actually, my professor was reading a draft of my book and there's one place where I'm talking about Kapwa, like the indigenous Filipino value uh, that in order to be human, that we have to learn to recognize ourselves and one another. And he was like, what about Donald Trump? <laughs> like in the margins of of my thing. I think that's so challenging, but necessary. I think it is like how we touch our humanity is like learning how to recognize it in, in everybody around us all the time. And going back to Jamila, your point about like we could be saying the same words, but be talking about totally different things. I got a really nerdy study for you guys. There's this <laughs> UC Berkeley did this study I used it actually to frame a session a couple of weeks ago where they had people in their mind's eye, like think about a penguin and everybody visualized a penguin. And there were like dozens of different penguins that people visualized. So some penguins were like jumping, some penguins were cartoons, some penguins were like, like off National Geographic, some penguins were with other penguins. Like the point of the study was like, if we can't even see the same penguin when we say the word penguin, <laughs> How are we seeing the same version of love or justice or like these more abstract things if we can't even freaking agree? Like penguin looks like this when I see that word or use that word. So I 100% agree. I think sometimes we're like talking over and under one another, even if we're like using the exact same language. I think that in my limited experience, I think that ultimately... We all want the same things. We want to be healthy. We want to be able to take care of ourselves. We want our people around us, people that we love to thrive. We want to thrive. I think that we get stuck in the thoughts that if that it's pie, if one has it, then you can't have it. And I think that's a lot of things that kind of catches us up in what we even think about 
having relationship and having a healthy relationship, especially with those that we assume or think thinks differently than us. I think that even with, it's hard to say this, but I'm sure like even with our, some of our past presidents that ultimately it is about being able to take care of yourself and have the people around you thrive and the humanity of it all. (laughs) That is at the core. It's just that the way we go about doing it without respecting or taking in the humanity of other people and the people around us as well. Man, I watched you work through that right now. You're like, like I'm going to say these words, but it's hard. to. I watched that in your face right now. <laughs> well, the truth about it is, is that there's no one that's alive at this moment. In this dimension, there's no one that's alive that hasn't been a part of these systems of oppression that we talk about all the time for generations. 100% true. So yep. there's no one that isn't impacted by them. There are people that are, everyone is impacted by them. And there are some people that are looking at how they're impacted, looking at their biases, digging it out, like acknowledging, like, we don't want this. And there are some people that are like, this is great. And just run with it. Right. So they're impacted. They're just buying into it in a different way. You know, I feel like I haven't been able to find where James Baldwin says this, but I swear I read it in a James Baldwin something somewhere, or maybe James Baldwin came in my dream to tell me this. But he talked about like how white supremacy and I I think by extension, and this again is like, I don't know where I read this, but is killing everybody like that. It is murdering black people and it's turning white folks into monsters. And then there's the range of everything in between. And like when we talk about white folks turning into monsters, it's like they no longer recognize the humanity of other people like. And that goes back to like that indigenous Filipino value of Kapwa, like that makes us not human anymore when we can't recognize ourselves and the other people. So it's really like we're all suffering and losing. We are all holding the losing ends of the stick, even people who seemingly benefit from the systems of oppression. I think I read that too. And I think I've only read one James Baldwin book and The Fire Next Time. Is it in that book? It might be. It might be because I read that one quite like around the time that I found this. So it might be in that. Yeah. Yeah. The humanity of it all. I want to touch on communication. I also want to acknowledge, and maybe we said this and I don't remember, the intent of this conversation is for us to explore and learn and grow. Not to say that we have the answers or not to expect ourselves to have the answers. (laughs) And so just like, what do healthy relationships mean? What do they look like? What are components of them? And talking about communication, I think that there is, again, common threads, but obviously it differs. For me, a big piece of communication is like acknowledging when I'm really, really frustrated with something, thinking back to, you know, my son's teenage years a couple of years ago, we had lots of really frustrating moments and how I communicate in those moments. And part of it is like knowing that I'm not going to always communicate the way I want to, like the way I want to communicate when I'm frustrated, especially with someone I love is not going to always be the way that I actually am able to communicate when I'm really frustrated. Right. So going along with communication, there's the acknowledging, like, how do we take care of ourselves in order to be able to communicate in a way that we want to more frustrated right? 
pausing before I say anything, like you hear that old adage, like count to 10, like that is actually really helpful. Am I able to do it all the time? No. Right. But like acknowledging, like taking that little second to be like, oh, I'm really frustrated. I need to take a deep breath before I continue on allows me to move forward in communication with a lot more intention. And that is something I believe is part of healthy relationships And part of healthy relationships is acknowledging that not able to always do that. So like, that's a way to have a healthy relationship with myself, right? Acknowledge that even though I lost my shit sometimes when Owen was a teenager, that was not how I wanted to do it. And that was not how I wanted to communicate with him, but that was okay. And for Owen to acknowledge like, mom isn't going to always be able to do her best and she still loves me. And I don't expect that of teenagers per se, (laughs) but I hope that through our years of relationship together and communication and expression of love, they have that deep knowing inside, even if they're not consciously aware of it. And that is kind of a common thread. Like it's easier to know if, if we're really pissed at our boss, it's probably easier to have respectful communication than it is if we're really pissed at a partner. Because that's so true. That's so true. The dynamics of a relationship with a coworker or a boss, like the dynamics of it are very different than with someone we love. Because we're thinking about the consequences of if we how communicate how we really want to. But my question, one of the things that I find very interesting is all the baggage you bring in with your communication the baggage of your family. How did your family communicate? In your environment, how was communication expressed? And for us, and how you as a person, like how are you feeling about yourself or how do you handle the conversation? So I was thinking earlier in our conversation about how, and it kind of piggybacks what you're saying, Amanda, about taking 10 and counting the 10 and stuff. A lot of a healthy relationship is about how you're feeling about yourself and what is your expectation going into, I don't know if I've ever went into a relationship and think to myself, oh, this needs to be a healthy relationship. But I find myself now as I'm getting older, I do kind of think about what in this relationship makes me happy. What in this relationship makes me sad. What in this relationship makes me feel healed and valued. And who are the people in my life that make me feel that way? Are there people that in my life that makes me feel less than and do they really need these people in my life? So it comes back to me trying to be healthy to myself to enable me to think about healthy relationships. So interesting because I feel like I do a lot of analyzing of am I in a, uh, is this a healthy relationship and a healthy dynamic for me is this one? And it's always changing. Like, so another common thread feels like in healthy dynamics, we acknowledge that we're changing, like that we're always growing or morphing or something new might be happening. This person might be getting a job, like, and change can be really difficult for people. Amanda, you said something too about like, it's easier inside a conversation with a boss. Like, I think it's easier because then the relationships contained, like you are my boss and I am the employee. And so we're talking about this one topic. And that relates to what you're saying, Jamila, about the baggage, because inside intimate relationships, like with my family members or my partner or my kid, like I don't have that containment necessarily. Like 
I am thinking about last year and I am thinking about the, like, should I be? Maybe I shouldn't be, but like, I definitely am holding, I'm holding all of those things as I enter some conversations and interactions. I'm going to add a little, so Scott, like, I don't know, Scott, Scott would probably laugh if I (laughs) say this, but we got into it a little bit about farting a couple weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Skylar keeps farting around me and I'm like, you can hide, you can, you step out when it's like my family, like you don't fart around our friends, like, but you somehow just like feel so comfortable, like letting them rip around me. Like, I don't like it. Like, can you, can I have the same courtesy that you give your parents and my parents and like all the other people in our life? But it is that closeness again, like when we get so close And I'm sure there are people in the world who are like, oh, that's a sign of love and like closeness. I'm not one of them. Like, I'm not, (laughs) not one of them. I don't want you to fart around me and like be proud of it. Maybe you, you know, that you fart and it's an accident and we're like, we laugh about it, but like not, you know, daily farts. Like, I'm not into it. Like, so you've never had that pull. You never had anybody do that pull my finger. I have not. I've seen oh that on shows. <laughs> oh my god! This is—we've clearly taken a tangent here. But um, I, one of my cousin's partners recently did a super intentional, like goofy fart in front of me. Like walked in the room, like turn up, like totally on purpose. And I was like, oh, we've gone to a new level. Like, you love me so much. Like, I <laughs> I absolutely saw it as like, they are so comfortable with me. And that's a really sweet thing. <laughs> I don't so, know anything about that's being what I'm sweet saying. about <laughs> I, I, I know there are people like that. I guess Amanda's one of them. Like, <laughs> Oh, my God. That oh. is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where we left off. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've gone in a whole new direction. A whole new direction. I think but... it's like the comfort thing, right? Inside our relationships and our dynamics. Like, I do think that one is a good example of like, like Amanda received a fart in a different way than me that you can't apply the same things from this relationship to this relationship because people are different and they have different preferences. So that goes back to the communication piece. And it feels like in healthy relationships, like we got to be clear with one another. Like we have to be able to say what we need to say in order for the other people to understand or the other person to understand. This is what it looks like to respect you. This is what it looks like to love you. And this is what it looks like for you to do those things to me. Let's see. That's totally different. I don't know where I heard this. I don't know if this is something Amanda said to me once or what, but what? that looks like to me, what love looks like to me, it's going to be looked different for you. The way you receive it is going to be different. So it still goes back to, it's not enough about, it is about communication, but we have to take a consideration that we're using the same words and doing different things, getting different messages for the simple fact that we have different experiences. So it has to be Kind of, okay, I remember asking my son, like, I tell my kids all the time I love them. I tell my daughter and I tell my son, oh, I know who it was. And I'm like, I love you. But then it's like, what does love look like to you? How can I love you in a way that you feel it instead of what I think it is? Yep. You know what I mean? 
And that's exactly what I was going to say. It's about not assuming and asking. And I think that there is some things are a natural evolution to not assume, but ask, like, when do you fart in front of your partner? Right. That's not necessarily a conversation you have on the fourth date or like, is it part of the prenup? I don't know. I think that like <laughs> naturally that like naturally evolves, right? Versus like asking like, what do you need from me in order to feel XYZ, including like respected? And again, that's a conversation that you can have kind of at any point with anyone. And it's good to check in because we do change. But I'm thinking like in a group dynamic, like if you're doing a workshop or a retreat or something like that's a really good question to be included early on. Like what does respect look like to each of the participants? Because they're all bringing their different things to the game, even though they're strangers, right? It's a great conversation to have with roommates. Like I talked to my son about this, you know, my son recently moved out and talk about shifting dynamics. Like when we lived together last month versus like when we don't now, totally different dynamic between the two of us. But like when I talked to him about like him moving out right now, he lives with some family in Portland and he's eventually he'll have his own place slash live with roommates. It's like, what does a clean house mean to you? What does a clean house mean to me? Like, what is the schedule for cleaning? Like, what's the expectation? Like, how are we going to split the rent if one room is bigger than the other? Like all of that, like not making assumptions about that, you know? So it, you know, the more we are willing to have those, I think some people shy away from conversations like that because it's uncomfortable to disagree. And generally speaking, I think, Jamil, you were talking about like all the baggage that we bring and stuff. Like we also have cultural things that we are taught. Like we yes. are taught as women to not rock the boat generally uh-huh. and to shy away yes. from harder conversations and over explain ourselves versus what cultural messages about communication do men get, right? Yeah. Very few men feel the need to over explain themselves because that's not the cultural messages they've gotten since they were really young in America, at least. And so I think there are some people that would shy away from those conversations because of potential conflict. But it's also really great to have shit lie like out in the open and laid out from the get-go. Cause then we don't have to guess. And we can avoid by having by being willing to have a hard conversation at the beginning, we can avoid hurt feelings later on and confusion and frustration. That's so uh. true. And I'm like, when in a dynamic are we good to kind of put some stuff on the table? Because I have definitely been in kind of relationships with people where I'm like, okay, this, I probably won't get super close to you now. Like this this happened really early on in kind of our interactions. Like I probably will keep, have a little bit of a guard up around this kind of relationship, but then there are places where you can't hide from those conflicts. Like, inside romantic relationships or familial relationships, like they're in front of me all the time. Not always in a bad way, but like if something happens, like we affect one another. So then we feel one another's emotions and like it affects the relationship and stuff like that. I'm curious what you two think about when is a good time or maybe it's not about time, but like what inside a relationship makes it safe to have conflict that you won't just, I'm going to cut this person out or I'm going to have guards up because I feel like that's a, in talking about our like systems of oppression, like the characteristic of white supremacy, fear of open conflict, like that feels like a hard one for us to 
tackle as a collective because it feels like there is a lot of fear of open conflict. And I have it too. And I'm just like, how do we get to a place where, but I'm hearing you, Amanda, like I would much rather have the conflict on the table so that we could talk about it instead of me writing all these stories in my head of like what the other person thinks or what I think or blah, blah, blah. Because that feels so much worse. That kind of goes back to, though, we were talking about healthy relationships. One of the things that really stonewall a relationship is the narratives we make in our mind because we don't know what the other person is thinking. And we're assuming that they would think the way we would think or act the way we think or what our expectations of it is. So that is like a shot in the dark or... um a dagger to the heart, those narratives that we do, we throw on people that are around us. But in regards to when you have these conversations, for me, I am very often open to having these conversations, especially with people that I don't know, don't care about, that are not it's in my inner circle. I'm quick to have these conversations. And, or when it gets to a point where I feel like this conversation has to happen. Like some stuff has gone on and it's really picking at me. It's really bugging me or it's really exciting me. And I'm really, that we have to have this conversation to move forward or for me to feel some type of peace. And when it comes to when it cutting people off or whatever, when people make me, I don't want to say when people make me uncomfortable because I don't have a problem being uncomfortable. When people show me that they are not for me, that they're harmful to me, be it their energy, the way they treat me or whatever, or I feel like I just can't handle the person you are and I can't change who you are, then I'm quick to cut people off like that. Because one of the things that I'm learning right now, I'm still kind of struggling with, is that ultimately this is about my journey and my life. And I can't push down, disregard my spirit and who I am to make others happy. And if me being in this relationship, whatever kind of relationship it is, be it with a job, be it with a friend, be it with an intimate partner, if it's Mm -hmm. taking away part of my spirit, then that means that I need to get away from it and trust that the universe is always working in my favor. Carol, there is no magic answer to when, right? It's a hundred percent dependent on the relationship. And so there's no answer to that question. I think more and just as valuable is learning to trust ourselves and not say, no, it's okay that I'm treated like this, or it's okay. They didn't mean it right. Like to ignore our own feelings or hurt, you know, and I think is doing a disservice to ourselves. So it's really learning about trusting ourselves to say like, actually, this is kind of a big deal to me and be willing to have that hard conversation. And I also think it depends on what's the goal of the conversation. Is the goal of the conversation, like if we're talking about someone that we don't know, is our goal of the conversation to learn and stretch ourselves and hopefully they are coming with the same goal? Or is our goal trying to convince them that our way is right, right? Or, and again, who knows what their goal of the conversation is? So if we're talking about like, just in general, open conflict, like if we're going to talk about systems of oppression, there's going to be open conflict because people are bringing their experiences. I would expect, and I mean, it's like real common sense, right? Like 
I would expect the three of us to have very different experience, personal experiences of racism in our lives because we are three different skin tones, right? Mm -hmm. So just on the most basic level, like having a hard conversation, if I'm not coming into like being willing to have open conflict about systems of oppression, knowing that other people have different experiences than I do, and that we all have been impacted by these systems of oppression. And what do I want? Whose voice do I want to be centered? And how do I want to learn and grow and stretch myself? So that's one piece of it is if we're talking about like a relationship with a friend that has come up where like there's been a lot of perceived disrespect or hurt, like what's the goal of that conversation? Is the goal of the conversation for me to trust myself, say my piece and move on? Is the goal of the conversation to like strengthen the relationship, right? Like, so really like be heard and hear, listen and be heard. So again, there's no like magic answer to that. I think that, and depending on the dynamic of the relationship, it will dictate when we have those conversations. The first question I always, when people talk about relationship with me, the first question I say is always, is this a relationship I want to foster? Because if you don't want to continue with that relationship, if the answer is no, we're going in one direction. If the answer is yes, we're going in an entirely different direction. So that that's is true. that's the very first question, right? And when we're talking about open conflict, when we're in a situation to learn and grow, like that's not a question because I'm not fostering a relationship with these people. They're new to me potentially. Or maybe it is that they're not new to me, but I want to foster a relationship, but I'm coming from a place of learning and growing. So I, if I'm willing to stretch myself and learn from them, then I probably am going to tolerate a lot more perceived disrespect than if it's someone that I'm in a different type of relationship with. You are making me think of right now, like the amount of self-work that has to be mm -hmm. present inside a healthy relationship. Yes. Like the amount of individual I'm thinking about my feelings, my thoughts, my actions, what's within my control, what's it like, what I want, what I don't want, like all of that awareness, like the more of that awareness that is there, it feels like the healthier the relationship could be with another person. And what an oxymoron is that? Because I don't know about you, but I always got the message that relationships wasn't about you and your healing or inside it's about the people around you and make how you interact with them per se but it sounds like what I'm learning or hearing is that it's about what is it that you want like what is your goal with this is it because I'm trying to foster a relationship is it because I'm trying to grow and learn what is the purpose of this conversation what is the purpose of this relationship and kind of going into that with a mindset in the beginning, it kind of sets how you're going to interact or what you're going to accept and what you're not going to accept. And it just seems like that's kind of a good way, but a very woke way. Don't people hate that word? <laughs> but a very woke way of going into a situation with just a self-awareness of what it is that you're trying to accomplish with this. And like an openness to the other person's feelings and what the other person is bringing to the table too. Yes. I think self-awareness is key to like everything that we do in life. Like, do I want to move intentionally through the world or do I want to move through the world oblivious? 
Like, am I going to just move through the world stepping on people's toes and bouncing like a pinball all over the fucking place? Or am I moving through the world intentionally? And I to have intention takes self-awareness. Ooh, that's deep. Especially in a time where we're, at least here in America, I can only speak about here, but here in America where we are purposely distracted away from self-awareness. Yes. Where we are purposely thrown with other things and that self-awareness is kind of frowned on. Like I just said about being woke, right? Yeah. It's very frowned on. That's very interesting. America does not want us to learn and grow. It wants us to like pay attention. Look at what's happening with this sports ball. Did you hear about that celebrity? Try this new drink. Like that's America. It wants to keep us distracted. distracted And so they can do their thing. And numb, I think. Like and numb. um, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I like to bring that back to the relationship piece is like that distraction and that numbness is not good for relationships. Like inside a conflict, like I could go and distract myself with whatever is on TV or and like not sit in it and not like think about it and what I have to learn inside this conflict that I'm experiencing right now. Like it's really easy to there's so many options for numbing and for distracting myself from whatever I am. Yeah. And inside our relationships in particular, I think, because I think with the self-work, I feel like I'm in it with myself and I'm like thinking about it and I'm inside it. But in a dynamic with somebody else, it's much easier for me to be like, that's that other person's stuff. Like I'm going to just like scroll through Instagram right now and not think about how that other person, like my relate, what I could be, how I could be growing from within inside the conflict with this other person. It's really easy to just numb out, distract and be like, that's theirs and it's not mine. But inside a relationship, it is, it's not mine or yours. It's ours. Like we both have something and it might look different. What me and the other person I'm in a relationship with, we might have, we not might, we do have different things to learn from our interactions in our relationship, but we both have stuff to learn. And that learning is ours and not an individual thing. That's really interesting to think about. That is very, it's, (laughs) it's just to think about the layers of that and the layers of a conversation and layers of things to learn. It's kind of like when you read the Bible and you read the Bible at one point in your life. No, honestly, you read something in a Bible at one point in your life and it means one thing. And then you come back a couple years later and you go back to it and it means something totally different. You get something totally different out of it. It feels yeah. like relationships and conversations are like that. Depending on where you are in your specific path, it's going to mean something else different. Yeah. Don't laugh at me, Amanda. I was laughing. At, <laughs> I was laughing because like, I don't know this experience. I've never read the Bible. You've never read the Bible? No. I guess it's that whole mainstream type of religion thing. Right, like you just the assumption that someone has read the Christian Bible, right? Yeah, I am how, not. How arrogant. Oh man, one of my coworkers the other day talked about she's a professor at a university teaches English. She was talking about Adam and Eve, and a couple of her students were like, Who? Who are these? Who are you talking about? That <laughs> <laughs> seems so foreign when you grew up in a Christian yeah, house. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Final thoughts for today, y'all. Dude, I got some mm. I got some learning to do and some self-awareness to do with. Maybe I'm not ready for a romantic type relationship still because I just really got some work to do. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're not ready. I think that means that whoever you'll draw in is the person that you're meant to learn from in that moment. You know, 
if we wait until we think we're like finished doing the work, we're never going to, we're never going to move. Yeah. We're not going to have, have romantic relationship. We're not going to go for that job or go for, you know, like we're not ready and being not ready doesn't mean that there isn't value to other people in our processing. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, you'll learn from and with whoever this person is too. Yeah. Yeah. Final thoughts. I would say like, there's no one definition of healthy relationship. And there are so many things that go into a relationship, including the dynamics and structure and roles of that relationship. But to me, a key piece is always being willing to self-reflect. That self-awareness and self-reflection. So then we know exactly what we're bringing to the table, to the conversation, and we're staying true to what's best for us and moving through the world intentionally. Yes. Dang, I love you, Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Carol? What are your final thoughts? I think my final thoughts are about the, like, I think that I, oof, what are they? I mean, they have to do with self-reflection too. I think it's about relationships are not one-way streets. Like Mm -hmm. I can show up inside the relationship, relationship, not I can, I do. And therefore I bring all of me inside that dynamic as well. And, and I have work to do, like, how do I show up? And that works on me. That work is not on the other person. Like that work is mine to do. How do I show up? Like, how do I get clear? What do I want? All of that is mine and not the other person's. But also like what we were talking about with the commonalities amongst all the relationships, like I think something that was said before we hit record, but is like ringing in my head a lot is Amanda's reminder that people are doing the best they can with the tools they have at the time. Like being able to remember that inside every conflict or inside every anything that feels maybe not exactly right inside our relationships. I think that's part of that when we're talking about self-reflection yes, I'm going to reflect about myself, but also I'm going to reflect in a way that gives grace to the humanity of all the other people involved too. Before we go, I want to repeat that so I can put a seal it into my brain. People are doing the best they can at that point in time with the tools they have. And I have to assume and go into a situation, relationship, conversation, believing that people are doing the best they can at that point of time with the tools they have and try not to take it personally. Yeah. You know, it is a belief that we can choose or not choose, but I have found that it supports a line of thinking that feels most supportive to choose to believe that, that people are doing the best they can in every given moment based on the tools that they have and their outside stressors. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think it's very supportive as well. It's hard to remember sometimes, but very supportive. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to The Intersection, Spirituality and Social Justice. We hope this podcast made you think and feel and that you carry that with you into the conversations you have in your own life. We also know that our conversation is incomplete without you. We would love to keep in touch. Follow us on Instagram at the period intersection period podcast and find our individual Instagrams in the show notes. We can't wait to hear from you.